Hello everybody and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you. Good morning, Dr. Paula. How are you this morning? Good. We're still yeah. trying to figure out all the answers. Who did it? Who did, Who did it? it? Who did it? But <laughs> there's strong suspicion that uh, it's narrowing down the possibilities. Yeah. But time will tell. You know, is that when I get up in the morning, I look. I do look at the news, I look at my computer, and I want to know uh, what kind of damage has been done to Liberty. And, uh, usually you can find quite a few things that have been done and damage to people. And the markets uh, say a lot. So when something happens, uh, you, you know, in the markets, uh, I, uh, and there's a response, it tells us something. But you know, yes, uh, this morning it was interesting. I got up and I looked, well, I wonder what gold, how's gold reacting to what's going on uh, in, uh, in the pipeline business. And uh, gold was pretty low early in the morning. And then quickly, within a couple hours, it went up $35. And I thought, oh boy, they're getting, uh, they're really getting worried about this pipeline stuff. But it turns out that that really wasn't the reason that there was a rush to the haven of gold. That had to do with something uh, the Bank of England did. <laughs> and that is, they're throwing it in the towel and they say, oh, all this uh, raise interest rates and turn off you know, uh, the inflation and uh, with you, us participating. Uh, they threw in the towel and they says, QE, 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 which means, I think, to a lot of people, and uh, I've always predicted that they, they're not going to, we're not going to stick with, uh, you know, raising interest rates up to the point of, of uh, being equal to our cost of living, you know, the uh, CPI. So anyway, that's what the response was. But the, the, uh, the markets can't be totally complacent either about what's happening over there because it is so, so dangerous. And this happened, uh, you know, really out of the clear blue, you know, and uh, people still don't know ex exactly, but, uh, you know, it just looks like, uh, y you know, our government, we've been involved a long time in that. We, we don't miss out. When there's, a, when there's a coup party, we like to join in on it. And uh, the one, one uh, headline that caught my attention, because it doesn't surprise me at all. CIA warned Germany of a possible Nord Stream pipeline. You mean our CIA might have known it was, this was happening? Yeah, I wonder you, how. You know, <laughs> so anyway, that invites more. Uh, but we have to be careful right now. That might be conspiratorial, yeah. and you can't do any conspiracy. But somebody told me long ago, don't sweat it about being conspiracy-minded. Just find out is is your is your conspiracy truthful? <laughs> so that's what you have to work on. Working on truth and that, that what they name it uh, doesn't mean much on the long run. But anyway, they're still working hard at it. It's still very dangerous, and there will be a lot of blame going on. Poland has to sort it out. Polish allies and and Germany has to sort out. And what are they going to do? And uh, to protect themselves and protect the international community. And right now. Uh, I'd say they're coming up short. I, I, I'm, I always argue for more independence and self-reliance, and uh, that would have gone a long way if uh, that's what Germany had done, you know, after World War II. Yeah, it's, you know, right <laughs> after our show yesterday when we were sort of pondering, it was early on, there was not a lot of information coming out, but there was a bombshell dropped, not literally, <laughs> that's already been dropped, but put up that first clip. It's Roddick Sikorsky. Now, he's not just some dude on Twitter. <laughs> 
Uh, he was the defense minister of Poland and the foreign minister, and he's very, very heavily involved in the Atlantic Council, which is close with NATO and rumored to have close CIA ties. He tweeted a picture of the gas bubbles in the Baltic with just three words, thank you, USA. That is, essential, that is obviously Sikorsky saying the USA did it. Now, on one hand, you could say, well, what's his motive here? First of all, he's rabidly Russophobic. He hates Russia with his passion. He's married to Ann Applebaum, who's a U.S. neocon, who hates Russia probably almost as much as Victoria Newland hates Russia. So rap, a family of rabid Russia haters um, <coughs> saying basically that the U.S. did it. Now, that puts the U.S. in an awkward position because if they did do it, they want to have plausible deniability because it is objectively a terrorist act to blow up another country's pipeline. Uh, it's an act of war. So the U.S. definitely doesn't want to have made in the USA on this operation. So you almost wonder, if you start thinking in that way, does Sikorsky know something about his own government and he's trying to deflect and say, thanks, U.S., wink, wink. So we don't know. But here's a couple things that we do know, Dr. Paul. I'm going to go through a few clips. And most of these are thanks to uh, a great piece on Moon of Alabama and also some tweets. The U.S. military was involved very, very close to where the attack happened on the pipelines over the summer. Let's put on this next clip. Bolt Ops 22, a perfect opportunity for research and resting new technology. This is from Sea Power magazine that follows this sort of thing. So this is back in June. Bolt Ops is a U.S. military operation in the Baltic Sea. Turn on the next one, please. <clears throat> In support of Baltops, the U.S. Navy fleet partnered with U.S. Navy Research and Warfare Centers to bring the latest advancements in unmanned underwater vehicle mine hunting technology to the Baltic Sea to demonstrate the vehicle's effectiveness in operational scenarios. Experimentation was conducted off the coast of Bornholm, Denmark. Remember that, Bornholm, Denmark, with participants from the Naval Information Warfare Center Pacific Naval Undersea Warfare Center Newport, and Mine Warfare Reading and Effectiveness Measuring under the direction of U.S. 6th Fleet Task Force 68. So where exactly is Bornholm, where the U.S. military was conducting these operations? Well, let's have a look at the next clip. Bornholm just happens to be literally right between the two explosions that happened and blew up the pipeline. Again, could be a coincidence. Very, very, very <laughs> suspicious. Well, that, that's for sure. So there's still a, a lot to be sorted out and who's gonna get the blame, but, but, uh, but sometimes it becomes irrelevant because if they can perpetuate a lie, uh, they're, they're conditioned to lying uh, and that's not a problem for them. So if the lies prevail, and you know, uh, the greatest enemy then is accused of, but there seems like uh, there's a competition on who's the enemy and uh, to sorting all this out. So it, it to me, uh, I can't help but repeating, and we've done this so often, that uh, we have, con no, no matter what, what we have done specifically on these bombs, we have contributed tremendously to the chaos there. And uh, you, can't, you can't ignore the fact that uh, 2014 was a big year. You know, with the coup, and w with us uh, getting rid of, and uh, w when when we uh, went along and changed the government, and and chaos has pursued since, but they never said. Uh, I, I don't know. Nobody still looks at that war and say, well, it's very precise. 
there's a new war going on right now. And the war is between NATO and Russia. And that, that is, they're the number one enemies. And then all of a sudden, well, you have pipelines to deal with. We have Germany to deal with, Eastern Europe. We have America's uh, empire to deal with. It gets very, very complex. And, I, you know, it's practically, uh, you know, it's, it's based on so much deceit and, and dishonesty and aggression and greed that uh, it, it, it just doesn't look like, uh, you know, well, let's this have, have a commission look into it. Let's have a meeting. Let's have a peace commission, uh, you know, settle this. I don't, I don't see that, and tragically, I just see more, uh, more violence over there, and let's just hope that uh, some uh, idiot doesn't uh, think that the nuclear weapon is the use. But both sides threaten with nuclear weapons, yeah, you know, and, and that uh, very, very dangerous. Well, there's a couple more things about U.S. activity in the region that, that is interesting, Dr. Paul. And if we can put up this next tweet, you can easily track U.S. naval vessels. This is not, you, know, you can't really hide a carrier group, right? And this is a tweet from AZ Military. An, exp an expeditionary detachment of U.S. Navy ships led by the, the Universal Amphibious Assault Ship, USS Kearsarge, days ago was in the Baltic Sea. It was 30 kilometers from the site of the alleged sabotage on Nord Stream 1 pipeline and 50 kilometers from Nord Stream 2. Uh, and you can see that it's, uh, it's his open source material on where this vessel was, and it was a naval warfare ship. Let's do the next one. Here's where U.S. military surveillance aircraft, one was a helicopter and one was a plane, were active over the past several days uh, around the time of the sabotage, apparent sabotage, literally flying around the two points where the sabotage took place. So definitely the U.S. was there. You can't hide these things. This is all open source material. So the question is, did Washington do it? Uh, and if so, what are the implications? And I have, we can talk about, I think, next whether Poland or Russia did it, because those are the other two, I think, top contenders. But let's listen. We, when I got in, you, you first mentioned this, that you were really blown away by Tucker Carlson's monologue the, uh, last night. So let's watch just a minute of him, I think, making a very good rundown of the implications if the U.S. did this. If we can play that, that uh, audio, there we go. What will be the effect of this? Every action has a reaction, equal and opposite. Blow up the Nord Stream pipelines? Okay, we've entered a new phase. One in which the United States is directly at war with the largest nuclear power in the world. Doesn't mean it'll go nuclear immediately, but it does suggest there could be consequences. If we actually blow up the Nord Stream pipelines, why wouldn't Russia sever undersea internet cables? What would happen if they did that? What would happen if banks in London couldn't communicate with banks in New York? Just that one piece of it, leaving aside its potential effects on our power grid. But let's just say the banks couldn't communicate with each other for one day. What would the economic effect of that be? Oh, we would cascade downward into your house. We could have an actual collapse. We could wind up very quickly in third world conditions. Those are the stakes. Yep. Reminds of that old saying, Dr. Paul, sow the wind, reap the whirlwind. Boy, that's Makes for you sure. Wonder. Makes you want to not watch the news. Yeah. <laughs> of yeah. course, that's what we're in the business of doing, is trying to look at it and analyze it and, and make, try to make some sense out of it. But it's certainly um, the dangers are, are, are building, and that's, uh, I guess, the one thing that we have to be concerned about. But the, the toughest part, I think, for everybody, if they're serious about this, is uh, who's, who's telling the truth? 
who can you blame, believe anymore? Can, who do you believe in, uh, you know, when there's a dispute over an election, uh, you know, uh, like in, in 2016 and 2020? Uh, there's an argument over there. Oh, well, we have a process for that. Yeah. Uh, we, have, we have rules about recounts and, and you know, we work this out. But, uh, you know, it, that system is real bad, but uh, Texas has been known to cheat and steal a long time ago. <laughs> so th this is the problem of sorting this out. Uh, just who will it be that, that we believe? So in a way, you, don't, you can't trust anybody yeah. because uh, everybody has an agenda. And, uh, and well, what motivates their agenda? And, and most of the time, it's, uh, it's, it's power and money. And uh, then the politicians just like to be, uh, uh, you know, important people. So you throw that mix in there and everybody will take a little bit of money. I mean, it looks like uh, the Biden family was involved with money and, and, you know, the Clinton family was involved with money. And uh, yet they have to uh, portray themselves as being very, very serious people who have a deep philosophy. And I guess I get really sick to my stomach when I hear some of our people people in Washington that I know quite well saying, well, we need to go and uh, do some diplomatic work in uh, Taiwan yeah. because we want to spread our message of liberty and our constitution. You know, that, that, is, that is just sickening, you know, of, how, of listening to that stuff. And, and it is, it's, it's really a contest uh, in, in society between, uh, you, you know, truth and lying. And uh, I guess in periods of times it must vary because it was much more even though the founders recognize this, you know, that uh, making their clear statement that if you don't have a moral people, you can't expect a free society to work. And uh, that, was an, that was a saying that people back then understood it. They might not have been angels, but, they, but, but the founders had a basic understanding of what that meant. But today, uh, what would people, they would just, what is yeah. he talking about? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the best liar. And, and, and then, then, uh, then we're told that the CIA actually teaches people how to lie, cheat, and steal. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a pretty blunt statement, too. So can we go to the FBI and say, why, what did you, why did you warn Germany? I want to know what you knew. And what did you tell them? Yeah. Oh, let's have, a, let's have you come before our committee. <laughs> Good luck with that, right? <laughs> Well, the other possibility is Poland, and this is interesting. This is from the Moon of Alabama website, and put the next clip up, Dr. Paul. You'll be interested in this. The U.S. military is not the only force near the area of the pipeline damage. Just a 100 kilometer south is the Polish naval base Kolesbreg, the former German Kolberg, which harbors mine-laying ships and the 8th Kolberg Naval Combat Engineer Battalion. Naval combat engineers are experts in blowing up anything that's underwater, be it mines or pipelines. So the Poles obviously are in the neighborhood and they have the expertise if they want to do it. It's hard to believe that they would do it without at least the U.S. knowing and giving a nod. One thing that I didn't know that's interesting, I should have known this, but you know who the U.S. ambassador to Poland is right now? The son of Zbigniew Brzezinski. That's the current U.S. ambassador. We all know about his father who basically created the Mujahideen and Al-Qaeda as a way to get back at the Soviets and the Russians. That's how much he hates them. I'm sure not everyone is like father and like son, but I do wonder about the active role because we know ambassadors play very active roles 
in these sorts of things? You know, um, there, there's a, <coughs> a lot of confusion here, but the, the one thing that came up that seems is silly to have to say it, <laughs> and why do they say it? And that is, uh, our mainstream media says, you know, uh, uh, Russia, uh, Russia claims they didn't do it. Yeah, yeah, that's how they frame it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they claim they, they didn't do it. Like, that introduces a whole new notion. Oh, we hate Russia. You know, that's another reason yeah. that we have to really hate Russia. They, they, they haven't they denied have, it. They might have, uh, <laughs> and I don't, I don't think uh, that adds up. I think, I think uh, if you're dealing with a little bit of logic and uh, an understanding that there's a lot of lying going on, I, I would think it would sort of exempt the Russians for blowing up this, this pipeline. Yeah. That, that, that doesn't make much sense. But, you know, we don't know that they didn't do it. Anything is possible. We don't know. We know where the signs point to. We know the, who had motive and who mm -hmm. had opportunity. I mean, if we're going to pretend like we're pro-ro, those are two things that we would look at. But there is an argument that, hey, Russia didn't deny doing it. Here are a couple of tweets that I dug up that I think make a pretty good case for why Russia wouldn't have done it. Uh, if we can look at the next one. And it makes a great point. So Russia pays billions of dollars to get Nord Stream 2 pipeline pumping gas to Europe so it will no longer have to pay those transit fees to Ukraine and Poland. Then it blows it up so it can keep paying the transit fees of billions of dollars. <laughs> Thanks, Western media, for relieving us of critical thinking skills. That's a good point. They could finally get rid of those transit fees, uh, and now they're going to blow it up. Let's look at the next one, if we can. This is another good counter-argument, I would say. Why would Russia blow up a pipeline they could just switch off? Why would they blow something up, which is a point of leverage on the German political leadership? Why would they blow something up, which mass demonstrations in Germany are demanding is turned back on? And that's a good point. And the second point that it makes, I think, is particularly salient because it's a great leverage point for Russia on Germany to keep that there. Hey, we got the gas. You guys getting cold yet? We got the gas. Why don't you lift those sanctions? It, it's, it, it doesn't make sense to completely remove that. Now, if they want to turn it off, that's one thing. They can do that. I think you have to presuppose, which they do every time the U.S. has an enemy, that that enemy's crazy. Oh, that crazy Saddam Hussein, that crazy Gaddafi. So you have to assume then that Russian leadership is literally insane to do this. Now, they may be evil. You may think they're evil, but they haven't demonstrated to this point that they're just flat-out nuts. They've been pretty <laughs> rational and pretty methodical in what they've done. You may not like what they've done. You may not agree with it, but they have been pretty methodical. So to all of a sudden, out of the blue, do something totally loopy, like blow up a multi-billion dollar pipeline, it's possible, uh, but it doesn't seem that, that, that um, you know, rational to me. Yeah, and <clears throat> right now, you know, we're, uh, the, the people in Florida and elsewhere are suffering from a huge uh, hurricane. Of course, that, w that came from people who didn't follow the uh, uh, environmentalists. That's what caused the hurricane, <laughs> so they claim. But, uh, you know, uh, this winter could be one cold winter in many ways. It oh, could yeah. be a temperature thing, but it doesn't have to be a temperature thing. You know, there's going to be a problem. And, uh, it, you know, in spite of the fact that uh, we had to worry for a couple decades about this significant uh, total increase in the temperature, and we, uh, we're going to have too much warm weather, 
But now they, they don't talk about warm weather enough, too. <laughs> yeah. they, they, they're probably praying for a little bit of warm weather. Yeah. So, but that that that'll be an additional thing. But you know that'll be a, another excuse. You know we oh yeah it was it was the weather that has helped cause our problems and <laughs> on and on. <laughs> you know our friend uh, Larry Johnson who spoke at our conference. He was a CIA analyst and he has a good piece and I think you read it too. It's called What a Coincidence and he points out again when you talk about coincidence. The day the pipeline was blown up, Nord Stream 1 and 2, was the very day that a new pipeline opened from Norway through Poland. It's a Norway-Poland-Sweden pipeline bringing Norwegian gas to Europe. And you'd say, well, that's, I'm sure, just a coincidence. Could be true, but the other fact is, and I think Larry points it out, is that pipeline only has a 10% capacity of what Nord Stream uh, 1 and 2 have together. So even if that puts out of commission, this gas coming from Norway is not going to be sufficient for Europe. And really, I would say this attack on the pipeline, yeah, it, it, it messes up the, the Russian pipeline. It's probably it'll never come back because from what I understood, when the seawater gets in, it corrodes that steel and it's just unusable. But what it really is, is, is a war against Germany because Germany is going to suffer deindustrialization, economic collapse. Uh, you say, well, why would Poland want to do that to Germany? Well, Poland just got done saying, we need some reparations for World War II. Poland is not only very anti-Russian, but very anti-Germany. So it's just an interesting, a lot of people, including our friend Doug McGregor, wrote me something this morning about how this is really a death blow to Germany, more well, than anyone else. Yeah, and uh, there doesn't seem to be uh, common sense on the horizon, so I'm sure this problem is going to be around, but there's going to be another explosion. Uh, yeah. no, I'm not talking about the kind that we've already <laughs> had. There's going to be an explosion with another event of some sort. And uh, of course, uh, you know, <coughs> Tucker brought up the subject, what if they cut the line on the communications yeah. between our countries? <coughs> that is a big deal. And yeah. uh, <coughs> I mean, he, he didn't mention the numbers, <coughs> excuse me, he wasn't mentioning the numbers, but they're talking about trillions of dollars in a day. You can't yeah. believe how much goes back and forth. Uh, so it's pretty it, frightening. It'll be there. So okay. well, speaking of trillions of dollars, Dr. Paul, let's look at our, our second topic for the day. We're going kind of long with it on this, but it's an important topic. This is Stephen Miller. He was, I think, a former Trump aide. He said the Senate just passed without even the pretense of a fight. A continuing resolution authorizing $12 billion to defend Ukraine, $3 billion to resettle Afghans, and a blank check for Biden to keep mass-releasing illegal aliens. Don't worry, GOP. Don't, but don't worry, the GOP bravely held the line on permitting reform. <laughs> so basically <coughs> what uh, Miller is saying is that McConnell did not put up a fight on this mass spending uh, well, again. I, I suspect... Uh, that this is a good example of a theme that I follow. That is, when it push comes to shove, there's bipartisanship. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so, so, Scratch my oh, back. this was what, what do they call a, a must-pass bill? <laughs> <You know? laughs> put it together, and so something very, very controversial is a must-pass bill. But, <laughs> but you, and that would be to keep the government open. That would be the biggest crime in the world. It might, might be a pretty good lesson to teach them. But you know what? You, we've been there when we've they did there, that. Yeah. They chose they'll they'll close the Washington Monument. Yeah, that's what they do. Chose yeah. close the Washington Monument and. People can't go there, so that's a try. And all the employees go home for a paid vacation. Now, they may have a delay, but they'll get their money eventually. No, nobody's ever suffered. The only way they try to do it is get the politician to suffer. But I think, uh, 
I think they're, uh, uh, they're, they're overly sensitive and they are easily scared and, and they re overreact to it because, you know, pe most people know how I voted up there. And I never came home here to Texas and people say, why did you, why didn't you vote to keep the government open? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, the they, they don't, that's one thing that I think the politician uh, underestimates is that uh, they're totally terrified that when they know they're doing something wrong, the people are going to know they did something wrong, not realizing that if they did something that really was right and they just thought politically it was wrong that uh, they, they, they didn't think that you, you can you not get away with it but you might explain to them you know what's what's going on so it's uh, it, they, I think they're sort of mixed up on their values could that be possible uh, no <laughs> well here's the thing though dr. Paul so Republicans rolled over there were a few no votes but they basically rolled over at least the leadership on sending yet another chunk of money to Ukraine but here's an interesting poll that I dug up toward the last minute uh, that the Quincy Institute put out. If we can put this up. This spells trouble, I think, for Republicans going along with the spending. They found that a majority of voters support the U.S. pursuing diplomatic negotiations to end the war, even if Ukraine must make some compromises with Russia. This is, a of all likely voters, 57% said the U.S. needs to start figuring out how to look at this ending diplomatically, need to start talking. And that 57% is interesting because if you look at Democrats, let me put that back up just for a second, actually. If you look at Democrats, it's actually 62. More Democrats than Republicans want the U.S. government to start facilitating or at least encouraging some diplomacy, some negotiations, even if Ukraine ends up losing some territory. So if I were a politician, <laughs> as they do, putting their finger to the wind to see which way it's blowing, I would not be betting on sending more billions of dollars to Ukraine. Yeah, you know, and, and one thing that's different here, and maybe this is encouraging, is that uh, the American people do wake up. They got sick and tired of the Vietnam War. Uh, they get tired of war and they want it to end. And uh, we, they even got tired of that war in Iraq and, yeah. and, and, uh, and you know, in Afghanistan, 10, 20 years that we're here. This is not even a year yet. And, and the people you were hearing from the people, I think that is uh, a demonstration on the fact that our economy is in worse shape than most people realize and people are hurting. So you, you could uh, probably come up with a pretty good ad of showing uh, the 67, they're up to about $67 billion. Yeah, yeah, that's all. We, yeah. we, could, we could get a picture how, how $67 billion was sent to the military industrial complex in Virginia and we can show these wonderful ships here and say, and then show what our inner cities look like, yeah, yeah. you know, and compare where where's the money going, or uh, you know, you know, what 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 are they doing? Why are people suffering? They're homelessness yeah. so in America. They're sleeping on the streets. Yeah, you know, yeah. this is horrible. But uh, I don't know whether I don't know whether they'll follow through on that. You do hear a lot more of this, and and maybe things will move along quicker. But I, I still means that uh, the people who talk about the election. Uh, I think it would be hard to argue that ah, 
this election is totally irrelevant. And uh, most of the time, I'm close to that. You know, yeah. and on some issues, I'm I'm uh, I'm still close to that because, like this vote, is uh, we we think people are waking up, but here they do. They go out of their way to make sure we send another billion or two yeah. billion dollars to Ukraine. You know, I think you make a great point about the the politics of this. I mean, I think there's an open door to a Tulsi Gabbard-like progressive to do exactly what you said. Talk about $67 billion. Talk about people can't get treatment for addictions. The cities are an absolute disaster and a dump. The roads are trash. Even if we don't love spending money on that, that's still money that's taken out of the possibility of spending on Someone like Tulsi Gabbard, someone, a, a real progressive Kucinich uh, type could come through and I think make a lot of headway on this. Yeah, that would be, but that's so logical. Yeah, <laughs> it'll cautious. never happen. Be, be cautious. Yeah. So. Well, it is a nice little quirky story to end the day. And we saw this in the post-millennial. I sent it over to you last night. This is kind of an interesting little tidbit. If we can put up that next clip. Um, breaking, Elon Musk expresses interest in doing business with Rumble. And it's a little bit, in a way, goofy because it's a series of tweets, but... You know, tweets are public statements these days, and uh, uh, we won't go through the whole series of it, but Chris Pavlovsky is the CEO of Rumble, and let's put up this next tweet. He sent this tweet out uh, saying, Elon, I founded Rumble and forever wanted to work with you. Below is from 2010 when I visited SpaceX. I was ready 12 years ago, and I'm ready 12 years from now, whenever you're ready. In the meantime, let's peer our data centers with Starlink to secure free speech, and Elon Musk actually responded. Let's put that up. Pretty interesting if we can do that. He responded, maybe worth talking at some point. So uh, I, people, some people love him. Some people hate Musk. Uh, I, I don't know if he's dedicated to free speech. That's good enough for me. Yeah, there's some, still some unknowns there. Yeah, some and, unknowns, uh, yeah. His, his uh, communications and negotiations with Twitter didn't work out so well. Yeah. And yet there were hope, hopes at the beginning of that, that that maybe there would be an improvement. Yeah, I would love to see something in a positive way, but I'd sure like to see Rumble uh, stay in charge uh, of the CEO and the theme yeah. and the First Amendment issue. Uh, and, uh, and and I'd be optimistic enough that uh, th that uh, Musk would go along with it. I'm not saying, oh, uh, he's bad news and we really have to wait. Yeah. But Rumble's doing such a good job. Yeah. You know, and we've been w with him, what, a month? Month and a half, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, we're pretty pleased with that. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm, we are all skeptics at times because we, uh, there was a time when that other company that we had at the yeah, beginning, we they, they, they were going to, you know, treat us fairly and protect our First Amendment rights. What are they, an arm of the government? Yeah. And they can't, they, they had the nerve to cancel us, <laughs> us at times. You at know, times, yeah. They canceled. That's, a, that's almost like a violation of the First Amendment. And you're right to bring up the subject. It'd be, the big deal would be what does, what does, uh, uh, Elon Musk really believe about the First Amendment. <laughs> yeah, it would be interesting, you know, but, you know, as you say, Rumble's been pretty good to us, and we're, we're happy so far. They're pumping a ton of money into programming. I read another article about it. They brought Russell Brand over there, who's a huge name, and someone not associated with the right. Uh, the same with people like Glenn Greenwald, not associated with the right, who are being brought over. So they don't want to become just a right-wing, uh, you know, YouTube. 
so they're bringing over, they're pouring tons of money. Wouldn't mind if they poured a little bit of money into the show, right? <laughs> as long as they're spreading some around, we're doing our best. But I think it's a good thing. I think it's good that they recognize that the market works. People want free speech. They want to decide for themselves. If it's something I think is bogus, I'll switch it off. But let me decide. And hopefully they keep this up because it's quite encouraging so far. Well, I'd like to think, and there's no way of us knowing, that uh, when we schedule our program early in the morning and sometimes five minutes before our program starts, we get a bit of news yeah. and we get it out there. And I'm, I, I guess it's just, uh, you know, I'm probably daydreaming this. <laughs> this is probably not true because when I look at the evening regular news MSM, my goodness, uh, maybe it's just coincidental, <laughs> but all of a sudden they don't say, oh yeah, we saw, we saw in the Liberty Report today this, but all of a sudden there's some similarities there, and, and that might mean that we just are thinking along the same lines of, uh, of an event it is important. So, but, but, but anyway, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty interesting that we can participate. I, and, and you know, one of the philosophies that uh, I have followed, and a lot of libertarians do it, yeah, we, we believe in in the market system. We believe that you can earn a living and, and do a good job and be rewarded by your consumers and all. But then there's there's an element once you just go over to promoting the ideas that you can't, it is not worthwhile. You can, you're allowed to do that. You can't gouge people. That's the whole purpose is, a, is see how many bucks you can make yeah. off it. It sort of loses esteem. So that's why I think when things are presented out there and uh, it's not uh, so uh, oriented to how, how much is made, uh, it's, it's available to people. And I think the strength of the message uh, is so, so important, you know, that, that will spread it. And uh, I am really into that, uh, that old saying about how, how ideas are spread. Yeah. <laughs> it, isn't, <clears throat> it isn't how many ads you get on MS, MSM. Yeah. No, no, that, that is not the final point. It's how valuable the message is. And uh, when the time has come, when the people are ready for the message of liberty, I think it's going to burst forth. Yeah, and we're doing our best to help it along. <laughs> I'm going to close out with a couple of things. First, I want to follow up because earlier this week, we talked about an earthquake, political earthquake in Italy, and we were cautiously optimistic. Well, the first sign is not that awfully great from Georgia Maloney. And this is a, uh, this is a uh, tweet that she put out. Dear Vladimir Zelensky, you know you can count on our loyal support for the cause of freedom in Ukrainian people. Stay strong and keep your faith steadfast. So unfortunately, the Italians have elected, at least in terms of foreign policy, someone very much like the previous party that they kicked out. Final word, uh, put up again our conference, Lake Jackson. It's going to be a blast. November 5th, Lake Jackson. Cancel <coughs> culture, war on speech, a central theme a central focus of the Liberty Report. We've got some great speakers, including Del Bigtree and some others. Uh, so get your tickets. I'll put a link in the description when the show is over. Dr. Paul, back to you. Very good. <clears throat> and uh, thinking about France, uh, you, 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 can, uh, you can have uh, contacts. You don't have to endorse what they do. But I think the most important thing is available to us in personal habits and personal relationships that, that you can be at least neutral in some of these things. Uh, if, you can, if it's not your business and they're doing something wrong or not, not doing what you think they should do, it's not your obligation to go and stir, stir up trouble. It doesn't work. So on the personal habits, 
the economic matters, uh, these things should all be voluntary. And uh, because if you go in the opposite direction, you have uh, people, once they decide that it's more and more and bigger and bigger and more money, of trying to, who's going to be in charge of the global system? And uh, the globalists are still there and they're powerful and they showed how powerful they were during the COVID epidemic. And that is there and still in on international affairs, there's a, there's a lot of globalistic controls there. But I think that, uh, yes, the, uh, the whole system is very, very fragile. Even the, the, the system where the dollar has been maintained here in the last couple of years, surprising a lot of people, the dollar standard, the uh, Federal Reserve standard, that, that all that is in our empire, uh, I, I just see it's there. It's still, it's still we're very powerful, but it's very fragile. And uh, it, it could be that there's a, another pipeline explosion that's going to come along that will be even bigger. And the warnings that we heard from Tucker today about what happens if they cut out the financial communications between uh, you know, the United States and Europe, that would be a big deal. And that is the reason why we have to continue our struggle to provide information to see that the cause of liberty is superior to all this authoritarianism. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.